1: As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't.
0: This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Tuesday, the 26th day of July, the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Johnny Emerson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today?
1: Healthy and alive. Yeah, glad to be back at it.
0: Yeah, so am I. So am I. I was actually able to get a really good workout in today. I I mean, like a proper workout, and it felt wonderful. You know, I mean, I took my time, you know, I, I was able to get in some extra uh, some extra weights and oh man did it feel good you know I was able to do like the the TRX things you know the TRX ropes or whatever they are and the sling trainers I love those things and it was uh, yeah, it was really great it was really great to get back in the gym again so that'll last I think what three weeks before they shut it all down again you know that's probably what it's going to be uh, I even told him that too I said I'm concerned that they're going to shut everything down again and I said I don't want to be stuck paying you people and I can't get in here. I said, no, 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 don't worry about that. We'll we'll figure something out. So anyway. Okay. Uh, the old man, he's uh, he's got COVID, doesn't he? It's a shame, really. I mean, if you think about it, he's, he's got COVID. Do you really believe that? Does anybody really believe that Joe Biden has COVID? Because I don't. I don't. I think it was just one gaffe too many and they needed an excuse to pull him for 14 days until they could do whatever it is they're going to do. Rearrange some deck chairs on the Titanic. They'll stuff him in a closet, right? Jill's going to wander around looking for him and then you know, a couple of weeks are rolled by, they're rolling back out. Oh no, he what gaffes? What are you talking about? No, he didn't say that he has cancer. No, he didn't say that. No, wh- what do you mean that, that disaster of a Middle Eastern trip that he took where he was begging cap in hand? I don't even think he was doing cap in hand. He was begging to the Saudis to increase production. It's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic.
1: After telling the American people he wasn't going to do that. He he told the American people before he went he wasn't going to be begging for oil, which is code for they're going to be begging for more oil. They, they have to. They're, they're, they have no choice because they've destroyed uh, oil production here in the States and they know it's going to look bad for midterms. So they have to do something in the in the immediate term uh, to, to change things. But he's so far underwater, even like, um, I forget which show on CNN it was, but the host was um, somewhat surprised, but not exactly surprised. That His ratings are so bad. It's something like 80 some percent of the U.S. thinks the, uh, how the president's handling the economy is poor. He's in the 20s now, right? Uh, I would say yes, the high 30s? but the official reports is 38, yeah, but right. yeah, right. they're left leaning rag
0: of a, you know, organization the uh the white house doctors are saying that biden's symptoms have improved significantly following uh covid-19 infection. He'll continue to isolate, of course he will. Uh he's still experiencing though a, a sore throat. You know, I kind of
1: don't think he has covid at all. But no, Bruce, you uh, see he's on
0: Paxlovid or Paxlavid, whatever oh, it is. Oh, okay. He's on Pax. Yeah,
1: so he's cuz he's so he's going to have he's, a he's twice here. he's
0: twice vax double boosted. Thank god, right? Don't forget that part. Thank god that he is. And then He's on his third day of Paxlovid, which isn't that supposed to, as Fauci said, isn't that supposed to give you a COVID rebound if you've been? Well, it's not supposed to. to, Well, it's not supposed to, but it does. It did, yeah. It gave Fauci a rebound, and he had symptoms
1: again, and he had to go through another uh, regiment of the Paxlovid. I'm sorry if if you took packs of it and it didn't work the first time why are you taking it again because it's safe
0: and effective <laughs> I don't know what to I don't know what to say to that uh, his predominant symptom is now a uh, sore throat according to the White House doctor whatever isn't it physician uh, uh, physician to the president yeah uh, Kevin O'Connor says this is most likely a result of lymphoid activation as his body clears the virus and thus it is encouraging his cough and body aches have diminished considerably uh, he went on to say that while the president's voice remains a bit deep, it's, it's a bit deep. I, I didn't know that President Biden had a, had a very manly voice anyway, but I mean, he, he kind of used to. I mean, if you heard a clip of Joe Biden from back in the day, hell, even when he was on the debate stage and now two totally different people on the debate stage, he was somebody I mean, he was diminishing then. You could see the diminishment there between that and the time he was the vice president under Obama. And he's really diminished now. I mean, I think it's to the point now where it is getting to be literally impossible to be able to cover up that there's a diminished cognitive ability there. Like it's getting to the point where they just can't cover it up anymore.
1: I mean, I I would have argued they were already there to begin with, but um, it's possible. It's, It's very possible that he truly does actually have COVID. Obviously, I don't know what to believe because they lie to us so much. And, and the timing of him having COVID was awful convenient after he had all those gaffes, like you said, saying he had cancer and had all the other gaffes. And that, that was a really difficult speech. It was literally the day before, if you want to go back and uh, look at it, the day before he was announced uh, to, to have COVID. It, it was not a good speech at all. And this is like the, uh, the campaign trail. He would go off into his bunker and just disappear for weeks at a time. Or the interviews he would do, they would be like early morning, early day, and then wouldn't do any more after. kind of reminisce of that.
0: I thought, or I'm still thinking maybe that this is a way because I think they're going to flush him before the midterms. They can't have him on the ticket. Where is he? If he's the most popular president ever, if 81 million people voted for this guy, where is any Democrat that is on the midterm ticket looking for his endorsement? Anybody? Is there anybody looking for an endorsement?
1: They can't even go out and admit whether he should or should not run uh, this next cycle. Honestly, I, I don't think they can. I don't think they can out him just yet. I think they'll do it right after midterms. I don't think they can do it before because it'll be too much bad press uh, beforehand or the potential for bad press. So I, I don't know that they'll do it then. Because then you have Kamala and she's going to be out in the front until they replace. And who are they going to replace him with? That's, this is the other thing. Who are they going to replace him with? Like, are you going to you're going to do like uh, Gavin Newsom instead of Kamala? He has no intersectionality. You're going to do judge? He's terrible. He's inept, but he's an empty suit. So and he's gay. So maybe maybe you have something there. Well, we're not identity but politics, it,
0: so we're we're ticking boxes with that one, right?
1: But that's my point. Is if because Kamala Harris, the only reason she's there is because of identity politics. So who are they going to replace? If, is they're not? They don't want her to be uh, the president. So who are they going to? Who are they going to tap for the presidency? You can't have a white male in
0: front of her. It's a good question. I don't have an answer for
1: that. Uh, but but that said, uh, before we uh, skip off of the uh, COVID thing, I do actually have a question. Um, and we've kind of, I don't remember if we've posed this before or if this has been stuff we've talked about behind the scenes. Uh, but, um, what, what, what's going to happen to, uh, uh, these blood banks, blood banks, you know, for the, yeah, yeah. You've got the people that have been donating blood that have been vaccinated and the vaccines are causing
0: thrombosis and, uh, you know, myocarditis and whatnot. That's a good (laughs) question. That's a good question. I mean, in California, what was it, two, three years ago in California, they actually changed the law out there to say, you don't have to disclose the fact that you've got any kind of a, a blood-borne disease, you know, such as HIV or, you know, anything like that. You don't have to disclose that anymore. Now you can just donate blood. That's fine. Maybe they're going to do that across the country. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see that flying in a lot of states, though, if that's left to the states. Uh, and I don't see that. I mean, I could see that being pushed through on the on an executive order, but I mean... Yeah, because he's going to do the executive order on climate.
1: But you've already got a bloodborne disease that's being freely injected and freely uh, donated and in blood. Yeah,
0: and monkeypox is now going to get thrown yeah. into the mix? Yeah, yeah. Biden administration is currently weighing, declaring monkeypox of, what? what is it called? Uh, a public health, health emergency. emergency. Yeah, public yeah. health emergency and plans to name a national coordinator to oversee the response. So that's according to The Washington Post. Uh, I'm not going to accept
1: the this? coordinator over this unless it's like Rachel <laughs> Levine or something. Unless you know, it's Fauci? No, nah, well, maybe Fauci, but uh, I'm thinking more Rachel Levine or Levine, uh, yeah. or that, uh, uh, who's the energy guy? You know, yes, one, yes. something something the like that. one that dresses like know? a dog.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. World Health Organization Director Ted Rose over the weekend. For all of these reasons, I have decided that the global monkeypox outbreak represents a public health emergency of international concern. So you see, he decided, not the corrupt board of people they have up there that are on the payroll of Bill Gates, not that, but he decided that monkeypox represents a public health emergency of international concern. So you see, they're going to move ahead uh, based on that. Don't we have like two deaths globally? (laughs) I think so, yeah. With this current strain? I think so, yeah.
1: And I think both of those were in Africa, I think. Sure sounds like an emergency to me. Unless there's something that they know that we don't know, like there's going to be a large release. Oh, did I say that out
0: loud? <laughs> I honestly think that they're literally, they're setting everybody up for that. They're teeing it up now. That's my guess. All right, let's um, let's move on. Bruce, how's your mail service? Uh, fairly consistent, I guess so far? Well, that's good. That's good because it might not be soon. And the reason I say that is because the U.S. Postal Service is going to make 40% of their new mail trucks all electric. Isn't that great? That's great for the environment, isn't it? After we heard the statistics that we were talking on yesterday, after we heard those statistics about how it, it costs four times more to charge your electric vehicle than it does to run your air conditioner. Isn't that great? That's great for the environment. Oh, and where does that electricity come from? It comes from coal and nuclear. That's where it comes from. So you're going to be charging these things a lot more, aren't you? It's not going to be like the, uh, the the electric vehicles that you have for private use. These are going to be commercial use. So these are going to be driven a lot more and over greater distances. So therefore, you're going to have to charge them more. United States Postal Service announced plans to make at least 40% of its new delivery fleet electric. In February, the Postal Service had already said it would procure 165,000 new generation delivery vehicles. of which would be electric. But five days ago, the Postal Service said that they had a new plan to buy 84,500 vehicles, of which 40% are estimated to be battery-operated electric vehicles, or BEVs. The 84,500 vehicles will include 50,000 new generation delivery vehicles and 34,500 commercial off-the-shelf vehicles. Of the 50,000 new generation delivery vehicles, the minimum battery-operated vehicle— It's set to rise to 50% up from 10%. So see, the problem is, is that you see, they haven't had enough. They didn't put in a big enough order. So they had to put it in order to make it work. They have to get more. You see how that works?
1: So they're going to have 80,000 new vehicles that are going to be electric vehicles. 84,500. 84,500. Yeah. Uh, Oh, by the way, fun, fun note. I was, uh, as you were reading this before you started going into the numbers and whatnot, I went into Google to find out. Um, yes, Google specifically, uh, and and queried exactly number of postal vehicles in the U.S. Okay, that was mm-hmm. that was a query. Uh-huh. It's the a first lot. response: USPS will make forty percent of its new trucks electric. Now, how is forty percent new electric vehicles? How does that fit my query? Uh, anyway, uh, that's that's a side note. It, it pisses me off because when you search for stuff now on Google, the first response you get is some BS something on the agenda whatever the agenda is whether it's uh you know climate change or whether it's uh you know green new deal aligning or it's uh 19 that's the direction they steer you first not the actual data and numbers that you're looking for they they go with some political bs but anyway um that's uh what 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 um let's see here that's uh about 350 we'll, we'll say 350,000 uh, um, air conditioner units that they just added that's great
0: no this is not what the, the power
1: grid can handle
0: oh yes absolutely um, and, and this is this is something that you have to ask yourself let's take this based on terrain Bruce you live out there in the middle of uh, well, out there in the middle of the country somewhere to somebody that's on the east or west coast. You know, you're you're literally you're in flyover country. We come for flyover country. So you're out there, especially you being out there on the flatlands as you are the the plains. It takes a while to get from one town to the next, just a little bit. And there's not a whole lot going on in between each town when you're going down the road. Believe me, I know. I know. Oh, my God. I drove the I-70 that goes from literally goes from east to west. Right. It's the main interstate that goes across the country. You start driving that from Ohio all the way out west. There is absolutely nothing on that road. There is nothing. It is the most boring drive I have ever had in my entire life. I can only imagine. Now, a small abbreviation of that would be the states in the middle of the country because if there's nothing on a major interstate going across country, what do you think is going to be on the little highways, the little two-lane highways that connect towns out in a state that's on the Great Plains? Not a whole lot going on out there. So once an electric vehicle gets from wherever it is, the distribution hub to pick up the mail or the post office or whatever, and then it gets out to where, say, for example, you are, then it has to do its little drive around all over the place in town, stop and go, stop and go everything, because that, you know, uses more uh, energy because you're stopping and going all the time. Then you're going to have to drive all the way back. I don't think you're going to have enough juice to get back to where you came from. If you're talking about these sparsely populated areas like this, it's, it's actually
1: fun how the mail works here. If you want to mail something to the other side of town, it's actually better for you to go and deliver it yourself because <laughs> it drives, it goes out an hour away to their
0: distribution hub, it gets processed, and then drives another hour back to get delivered. I'll do one better than that. Where I come from, back in the States, if you want to send a letter across town, I come from a small town, right? If you want to send a letter across town, as you said, it's easier for you to just go and deliver it yourself because if you send it in the mail, it's going to go two hours away one way. It's going to get sorted in the state sorting facility in Columbus, Ohio. It's going to get restamped into a remailing thing, and then it's going to be sent right back. How is this for government, right? How is this for government? When I was a kid, it used to be delivered in town, sorted in town at the local post office, and then delivered probably the next morning. That was it. Now, I've been told of a time when it was actually more efficient than that, as in after the war. You know, my grandparents told me about it. You could drop a letter off at the post office in the morning to be mailed. You would have it delivered within town the same day. And here's the kicker to that. You would get a letter back by the end of the day. And we're somehow making progress here. How is this progress? Somebody please tell me how this is progress. Somebody please explain to me how this is an efficient use of taxpayer money. It's anything but
1: to your uh, point there about the two hour thing. It's probably that in other parts of the state, uh it's just so happens that where I am positioned the, the, the town that I live in, it's an hour away from the two largest cities. So both of those distribution hubs are an hour away. So whichever direction it goes, it's an hour. But if you go to different parts, yeah, that that goes to like the panhandle, for example. Yeah, there's. There's pretty much nothing out there when you get to the panhandle that that's just farms, just farms. that's all it is. I think it also depends out there on on how the horse is feeling that day, doesn't that too yeah there, there's that yeah it, it's just it makes no sense with going all electric, let's say even if it's just the delivery vehicles that go all electric um it, you're going to have to have all the electric vehicles in the town themselves, and they're not going to be able to do any kind of like rule deliveries or any of those kind of things. It has to only be in town or, you know, in, in uh, the, the subdivisions or something like that, because, you know, the nearest town to us is like 20 minutes away, I think. So
0: yeah. and and how's the how's the mailman going to get there in the first place? Is he going to have an electric car, too? Good question. Yeah. And of course, all this is being done under the guise of. Climate change, right? Climate change. Now, we've been dealing with with global catastrophes and, and global climate change since, well, it started in the 70s, right? That's when it started, in the 70s. Bruce, what were we supposed to have in the 70s? I can't quite remember. Were we supposed to have something happen in the 70s? Yeah, when were we supposed to? Wasn't it a global freezing back then? Yeah, I do vaguely recall something about that. I happen to have an ad campaign that was played back in 1977. Do you know who Leonard Nimoy is? Yeah course you do. It's Spock. Right. Mr. Yeah. Spock from the original Star Trek series. Yeah. yeah, he's narrating. Right. So if you're thinking, boy, that voice sounds familiar, don't quite know who it is. That's who it is. Has nothing to do with the um, the overall message here. It's just that's who it is. This is him narrating in 1977 about climate change. The worst winter in a century struck the United States. Arctic cold ripped the Midwest for weeks on end. Great blizzards paralyzed cities of the Northeast. One desperate night in Buffalo, eight people froze to death in marooned cars. Pat Bushnell
1: was on the road that night. Traffic just absolutely stopped. I was afraid of being stuck in the car
0: all night long,
1: with the uh, cold and the wind running out of gas.
0: And then what? I think that if we had to go through
1: a real bad winter, just like we just went through, I think we'd have
0: to think about moving someplace else. Move where? The brutal Buffalo winter might become common all over the United States. Climate experts believe the next ice age is on its way. According to recent evidence, it could come sooner than anyone had expected. At weather stations in the far north, temperatures have been dropping for 30 years long free of summer ice are now blocked year-round. According to some climatologists, within a lifetime, we might be living in the next ice age. You hear that? According to climatologists, some climatologists, in our lifetime, we might be living in the next ice age. There's so much ice at the, at the polar ice caps that while well, the port's all up there, they're, they're all just jammed. You, you can't get there anymore. Where are you going to go? You can't leave Buffalo because the entirety of the United States, <laughs> I'm trying to do this with a straight face, the entirety of the United States is going to be a frozen wasteland. This is what they were kicking off about in 1977. Were they right or were they wrong? The same people, the same organizations, the United Nations and all these these yahoos, all these, these idiots and these think tanks that they put up, that they come up with, these same people, hell, some of them are probably the same scientists. They've been in there so long. I mean, we talk about bureaucracies; these people never leave. Look at Fauci—he's been in there for forty years. That guy's been in there longer than I've been alive in the same job. Were their predictions correct? Yeah, we've not seen
1: anything near uh, like the the storms you guys have up in the Northeast. We've not seen anything like that. Not not even close to anything well, like no, see, that. We're
0: we're going through global warming now. It's not freezing now. It's now it's yeah. warming.
1: You know, twenty years ago. Yeah, it's probably been 20, 20, 22 years ago, something like that. Actually, it's probably been a little bit longer than that. But anyway, whatever. I remember as a kid, we had 15 inches of snow at one time. That's a big deal uh, here.
0: That was a lot of snow. I remember those big snows when I was a kid. We had the you know the two three feet or whatever it was, and we had the whole week off school or two weeks off school or whatever it was, and we were out there with the neighborhood kids building snow forts and going sledding in the town. You know the town had one hill, so everybody was down there, so that, that's where we would go, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Of course, those have all disappeared, but we're coming out of the mini ice age, which you've explained here many times before, and. We're headed back into, we, we've got increased solar cycles. It's amazing to me how they ignore the sun. It's amazing to me how they do that. Mm-hmm. They just conveniently leave that part out and, and how much effect that actually has on our climate. You know, and I'm not a scientist. I just, I, I read literature and, and data on how this stuff is. It's not that difficult to do. But I remember all those things as a kid back, you know, many years ago. But um, yeah, all that stuff has changed. And and that's, since all that, since the solar cycle has changed, the agenda has flipped two, three more generations are now around. And I remember even when I was a kid growing up on television and Nintendo and all that stuff, I remember the kids shows at the time were telling us, you know, the cartoon like ones they were telling us, uh, global warming is coming. It'll happen in our lifetime. Beaches are going to disappear. Well, those same beaches that I used to go to as a kid, they're still there. Every single one of them, they're all still there. And you know what? how much that sea level has risen in 30 years All of nothing because the same places that I used to go to as a kid, the same hotels, same resorts, same vacation houses, they're all still there. Yeah, I remember as a kid the the cartoons. I think the, the popular
1: one when I was a kid was uh Captain Planet. That was the, oh, yes. the big one. That yes, was when your power environment yeah, yeah, I remember yeah.
0: Yeah. everyone yeah. had the yeah. little that ring. Was, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. yeah. And you know what? If you ate the poison cereal that your parents would buy, you know, like the, the Captain Crunch or whatever <laughs> it was, if yeah. you got that, then sometimes you'd be able to get each ring if you dig through all the way to the bottom of the box and then you know yeah, down there. Yeah. probably you get the,
1: painted themselves. Yeah,
0: yeah. You get well, you, it was a cheap plastic one too that would break after five minutes, you know, playing with your friends. It sounds right. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> they were pushing consumerism, you know, which is uh, creating more of what they're against with the pollution and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of ironic.
0: But now we're into, well, global warming that didn't pan out. So now we're into the era of climate change. Uh, and of course, they made it a specific term that you couldn't deny. Oh, you're denying that the climate is changing? Of course not. I'm not denying that. I'm not a climate change denier because the only constant is change. Of course it changes all the time. It's kind of why we have seasons
1: and why we have uh, solar cycles every seven to eleven years mm-hmm. uh, the sun goes into a which you know, as you said we're we're in a um, you know up cycle right now uptick and yep, uh, we just had what was it here a couple days ago uh, we had a solar storm and uh, it was it was a small one, you know like a G1 or something like that, which is minor. Did't see any outages or any of those kind of things. Uh, but nonetheless, you you, you're still seeing it and we're supposed to have some more uh there's some so basically it's um one of the sunspots uh pops uh so to speak uh sunspot is where a um, large amount of gravitational force and uh, magnetic force is pulling down the exterior layer of the sun and it creates like a dark spot a cool spot and uh when the the magnetic fields pop or or break shift uh, that extra matter it was holding holding down and pulling in gets released and then you know you get your solar flare and depending on which direction it's facing you
0: might have it go straight into the earth's magnetic field or um, off into space and i can only imagine what they're going to do once this solar cycle dies down because that's the natural order of things mm-hmm. and we trend back into something called the grand solar minimum that's going to be really interesting and With what they're doing to our food supplies, the blatant, purposely done damage and destruction that's being done to our global food supply chains on top of what's coming that they're purposely ignoring, that's not going to be good for fall harvests, is it? No, it's not. So what kind of a reaction do we get? What kind of a reaction? Do we, get? I, we we can talk about the farming thing because now you got Trudeau and you know, the Irish are doing the same thing, which is lunacy. These people are insane. But I want to stick with climate change for the moment. Bruce, we've not discussed it on air yet because we want to make sure. And the reason we don't discuss these things is because a lot of information comes out and things change. So we're not ignoring the incident that happened at Uvalde. We're not ignoring that. I know we've talked about it briefly here and there. We're not ignoring that. We're waiting to hear all of the reasons why X, Y, and Z happened, or A, B, and C happened, whatever you want to use. We're waiting to hear why. We're waiting to get more video footage. I mean, a lot of that information was suppressed, and now it's being brought to light. A lot of the reports were suppressed, and now they're being brought to light. So we want to make sure that we give it its just due. We might even have to do a whole episode on it. Uh, We want to bring Marty on for it. He wanted to talk about it. Yes, I know all about the... uh, you know, the uh, the officers that ran away. I know all about the, the guy that hit the hand sanitizer. I know all about the playing on the phones and all that stuff. And while the scumbag is in there killing children. Yes, I know all this. We know all this. And we will discuss it. But everybody at this point, at least people that listen to us as well as others, everyone's well aware of that incident that happened at Uvalde. And you say, what's this got to do with climate change? Al Gore. Does anybody remember Al Gore? The crazy man that was the vice president of Bill Clinton? You know, that guy that was supposed to be the next president of the United States, that guy? I always laugh about that because I I, and I'm not a fan of Al Gore by any stretch of the imagination, but I firmly believe that he actually won that election in 2000. That's my opinion, but that's another story for another day. Al Gore has called climate deniers. You hear this climate? Climate deniers such as ourselves, right? But then again, I'm not a climate denier. I agree that the climate changes all the time. As you said, Bruce, we have seasons we go through the climate changes. And if you listen to the World Economic Forum, they say, well, that's okay. We'll just put space bubbles up in the up around Earth and we'll we'll just change it that way. And I actually I heard one of these these lunatic nut jobs from one of these universities last year say, you know what, in order for us to successfully deal with the effects of climate change, we have to change the orbital rotation of the Earth around the sun. That's how insane this is. That's how crazy these people are. It's like, how much more crazy and absurd can you be to one up the one academic before you. That's what it's turned into, or the scientist or the doctor or, or the politician or the bureaucrat or whatever. That's what it has to be now. You have to be more absurd than the next person to get up to the next level.
1: If I, if I didn't know any better, I would say that uh, they're all following the same ideology of uh, kill as many humans as we possibly can. Just, yeah. They just want body counts.
0: Yeah. By any means necessary. Anyway, uh, back to Al Gore. Al Gore says that climate deniers are like the Uvalde police officers who didn't rescue the children. And by the way, I'm sure this has nothing to do with it. uh, Nothing whatsoever. Uh, But he just launched a a climate asset fund that was backed by Microsoft Climate Innovation Fund. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. He also happens to own the carbon exchanges in London with his partner, Mr. Blood what do you think they call the company? Blood and gore. You couldn't make it up. You couldn't make it up. He's lobbying for climate change policies, as in these green, you know, I'm doing air quotes, green policies in countries around the world, the United States in particular. He's the front man for the cap and trade, the carbon tax, whatever you want to call it, the Green New Deal, all of it. And then he's the guy that sat down with Ken Lay from Enron. If anybody remembers the Enron scandal, how they screwed people out of their energy and their money, they formulated this plan to come up with this carbon trading scheme. And he owns the company that you're going to have to buy the carbon credits from. Like, how much more obvious does it have to get? Here's Al Gore on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. You know, the climate deniers uh, uh, are really in some ways similar to all of those uh, almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door Uh, While the children were being massacred, they heard the screams, they heard the gunshots, and uh, nobody stepped forward. And God bless those families who've suffered so much. And law enforcement officials tell us that's not typical of what uh, law enforcement usually does. And confronted with this global emergency, what we're doing with our inaction and failing to walk through the door and stop the killing Uh, is not typical of what we are capable of as human beings. So let me get this straight. First of all, we're going to parade uh, the dead children up there. I agree with him on the fact that I I feel for the families. But we're going to parade around. We're going to pull on everybody's heartstrings by using the children that were murdered by some scumbag. That is still to be determined on how all that went down. We're getting there. You're going to guilt trip everybody and say, you're no different if you don't believe me. Al Gore, who owns the financial exchanges that you're going to pay money to. If you don't believe me, then you're murdering children. You're no different than people that stood by and watched children be murdered in cold blood. What does he have to lose if he's wrong? Money. Because you won't be buying the carbon exchanges or I, I carbon credits nothing. or whatever they are. Very little.
1: Uh, and and here's, here's the reason I say he has very little to lose he's been wrong this entire time. Not one of his predictions are accurate or true. And what happens? He just makes more money. He's part of the money money laundering cycle. He goes out there and pushes the narrative. And then these companies that are benefiting from his uh, uh, pushing this narrative, they feed him some money. So it's just it's just a cycle. It's kind of the same thing with Fauci and um, the vaccines, quote unquote, vaccines, you know, finger quotes there. He's pushing the fear porn about COVID. And at the same time, you have Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, you know, all these they're making uh, money hand over fist and he's getting some kickbacks. He has a lot of investments in those companies, part of boards, you know, those kind of things. So, yeah, this this is all a scam, just like many of the other things that are going on. They're just scams, uh, just like the Hunter Biden situation where he was on the board of Burisma uh, or Privat Bank, you know, and uh, it, it's run by an oligarch.
0: That uh, just, just was happens on the board. to be the same one. He was, he was actually, he was an executive for Burisma as well. That's how he got yeah. Hunter that job. Yeah. You know, and then they
1: had the the $4 billion that just happened to disappear into that bank. And then, uh, y- you know, uh, it, it's all the same. It, this is, this is all the same. This is just a load of BS. They're feeding you. If you look at the trends and you look at the normalcy of this, as, as we've talked about, we've, we're coming out of an ice age. So things are going to get warmer. That's just the way it is. You've got the the solar cycles you have to pay attention to. This is just going to happen. This is this is what's slated to happen. Uh, scientists are saying, well, if we don't cut down on carbon emissions, then we may prolong the warm period and shorten the the freeze period. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who in here thinks that's a, a bad thing? You know, I mean, show of hands. A shorter (laughs) (laughs) a shorter cold period. I mean,
0: that kind of seems like, you know, when the, the entire globe freezes over, you can't grow things. Well, not only that, but another thing that's not mentioned here is when we don't get snow and ice formations in the winter, when we don't get that, that has an effect on our growing season in the spring and summer because the water tables are not replenished properly. Farmers depend on snow. They depend on the ice formations. Yeah, it's a it's melt runoff,
1: as it's called. It, it does water, you know, raises rivers and whatnot. Um, it it is important to have the snow. But the thing is, is as things heat up and it it, it warms up, not because of climate change, not because of any of that, you know, man made stuff, because of natural cycle. You're going to see more precipitation. You're going to see more, and it it won't be, you know might be less snow, but you'll still see more rain, more. Same thing with this. Oh, they're saying um, because of climate change, um, we're seeing more weather events and those kind of things. And they're more deadly and and there's more of them. And, you know, actually we're seeing fewer of all these things. It is true when you see cycles uh, with with the sun, you know, you, you go into the solar maximum, you are going to see more weather events that happen. And then when you go into a minimum, you're going to see less. And that's, largely because of the amount of energy that's being thrown into our ionosphere and stratosphere and whatnot from the the solar radiation, it's going to kick up some storms and it's going to energize some things. And you will see that increase and, you know, more water evaporation and those kind of things.
0: You know, I remember when I was, uh, I want to say when I was in the fifth grade, so 11 years old, 10, 11 years old, I want to say that we saw something like, uh, and and a lot of them weren't even big ones, but I want to say that we saw something like maybe 15 hurricanes hit the East coast that year. I mean, it was, it was quite significant. Now, some of them were just, they they got turned into like tropical storms or or something like that, but, um, and, and they ended up just being mild, but nonetheless, can you imagine if we had 15 tropical storms or or depressions lower than the storm. If we had 15 hurricanes or tropical storms, just those two. Can you imagine if we had that many hit the East Coast right now, what they would be doing? They'd be going ballistic. Yeah, they'd be going ape crap. Uh, It it just it would be nonstop
1: climate change and all of this. And we have to go to electric vehicles, which are far more damaging to the environment. And it's just it makes no sense the direction they're, they're trying to push us in, uh, from a, if you're, if you're looking, if you're looking at this as a progress, uh, you know, innovation, you know, those kind of things, you know, what we call common sense. If you're looking at it from that perspective, this makes no, absolutely no sense. But if you're looking at it from a control, uh, looking at it from a greed, looking at it from a depopulation
0: perspective, well, yeah, this is the way you go. I mean, what would you do differently? Well, you would reassess. That's what you would do, Right you would reassess and think, okay, um, well, let me see. We clamped down pretty hard on the population the first time. Man, maybe we should really do that again, but we should double down on it this time. If I were an evil, sick, twisted individual, I mean, that's what I would do. I would go on television and I would say it. That's what I would do. I give you the sainted Dr. Anthony Fauci. We know now, two and a half years later, that anywhere from 50 to 60 percent of the transmission
1: occur from someone without symptoms, either someone who never will get symptoms
0: or someone who is in the pre-symptomatic stage. Had we known that then, the insidious nature of spread in the community would have been much more of an alarm and there would have been much, much more stringent uh, restrictions
1: in the sense of very, very heavy, encouraging people to wear masks, physical
0: distancing or what have you. You see, if they would if they would have known about that asymptomatic spread in the early days, uh, they would have cracked down even harder. You do not have asymptomatic spread. That does not happen. Statistically
1: speaking, it's the equivalent of zero. That, that's the chances of it happening. The number is significantly, significantly lower than even if you just had mild symptoms like a, a slight cough you're you're so much lower in the chances of of uh, transmitting it. It, it, it it's statistically basically zero that that's how often it happens.
0: However, you were explaining before and you were talking about a pre-show, that the whole idea of asymptomatic spread, as you just described it, is true, but all that changed, didn't it?
1: Yeah, for at least a little while, um, at least for a few months, this changed. So when they started doing the vaccines, they started, uh, you know, they were doing tests and, and seeing um, uh, it basically if it was working. And what they were finding was is people were not, uh, it wasn't preventing them from getting infected. What was happening was it was uh, basically suppressing the symptoms so they would have a much higher viral load than someone that was showing minor symptoms, someone that was contagious. So you did have asymptomatic spread. Now, this was true for a, for a time when the virus uh, still had the S1 spike protein. Now that it no longer has the S1 spike protein, and it has mutated multiple times since uh, it was Delta that it, it shed the S1 spike protein, and we haven't had a variant since with an S1 spike protein. Uh, so, so now BA, that is no BA longer 5, true.
0: This BA5 that's zipping around now that they're, they're scaring the hell out of everybody with, that has no S1? hmm no, it doesn't. Same, uh, Like, none of these
1: have S1 spike proteins anymore. And the vaccines are all S1 spike protein. That That's what it targets. It's only oh, the okay. S1 spike okay. protein.
0: Okay, so, so the vaxxed and the boosted are the ones that are still... Con- like, they're still manufacturing that spike protein because that's what mRNA does, is it, it causes you to manufacture that spike protein which your body's supposed to fight. Instead, your body develops these and then it fights that. So the body literally manufactures and fights itself. It's it's insane. It's stupid. So the people that are jabbed and boosted and all that stuff, what you're saying is, is that because they can handle that high viral load, they are now the ones that are capable of being asymptomatic spreaders of this new variant.
1: They were. Yeah. When 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 it was the S1 spike protein variants that were going around, this was Uh true. Basically, what I'm getting at is I think Fauci is cherry picking the data uh, as he normally does. Uh, he's pulling data from when it was like beta uh, or or something like that, you know, the alpha or beta variant. Uh, during that time, it, his statement is true. You would have been asymptomatic and spreading it. However, now, because they, the, the virus no longer has an S1 spike protein, the vaccine does absolutely nothing against that. In fact, it weakens your immune system. And to your point about the, the body manufacturing this S1 spike protein, the, the thing is, Uh, The mRNA that you are injected with if you've been vaccinated for COVID-19, it is a synthetic mRNA. It's something manufactured. This synthetic mRNA, this protein, does not decay and break down like a normal mRNA strain. So in other words, uh, the naturally occurring, the ones that our body produces to, to repair and whatnot... Within about four hours, it dissipates. This mRNA strand that we manufactured, that we synthesized, there's only one study so far that's looked into this, and they cut the study off at 60 days. And at 60 days, it was still active at 60 days. So we don't actually know how long this stays in your system, active, producing S1 spike proteins. We don't know because nobody studied it. And frankly, now that that news has come out that it's 60 days still active, I don't know anybody wants to study it because they'll lose their grants, they'll lose all the funding and they'll essentially be drummed out of the scientific community unless we can start changing the narrative and, and you know, change things. And if we if we have this grand jury or this, uh, you know, going after Fauci and all these, uh, uh, well, I, I was going to say medical doctors, but um, in yeah, time, if you in time. Yeah. Uh, If if that happens, I think that'll change the narrative, Uh, and I, I think they'll start looking at the actual science.
0: Well, I tell you, I tell you what else has to happen, and this is key. This has to happen. You have to have some key, high level defectors, and I'm talking about people within the establishment, within the medical establishment, the politics, all of it. You need to start getting people, you know, corporations, the the works, the the banking industry, whatever. Sooner or later, they're going to get to a point where. They're going to have to start leaving that sinking ship. I'm surprised they haven't already. They really do believe at this point, they're so delusional, they believe they have a shot at this. But you're going to have to have some high-level defectors, and they're going to have to fall on the barbed wire, if you will, or or fall on the sword or something. And they're going to have to go public, and they're going to have to do it on on national platforms. That's what they're going to have to do. So uh, however that is, whoever that is, I I don't know. But that that needs to happen. That needs to happen. You need to have not just one. You need to have hundreds. You need to have thousands, tens of thousands of doctors throw off their damn lab coat and walk out and say, that's enough of this. That has to happen. They're pushing five here now, five shots. And a lot of the doctors are saying, huh, okay, we, we've we've played along up to this point. We're not doing it anymore. That's enough.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate the, um, this is the, the same uh, country that said one in 5,000 injections have adverse effects and they're still pushing for another round of this. Uh, this is, this is like, they're pushing for five jabs, one in 5,000. That means if
0: you've gone with the five jabs, that means it's like one in a thousand now. They're insane. They're they're literally insane. I just don't have any other words for it. They're insane. They're, they're crazy. And this is the type of person that we're now uh, putting on the, uh, the world health organization board. Speaking of insane and behavioral problems and absurdities, Susan, um, I, Mishy, Mickey, whatever. I, I don't know. I don't really don't care. Professor, excuse me, Professor Susan Michie, Mickey, whatever. She has been appointed the chair, the chairwoman of the World Health Organization's Technical Advisory Group for Behavioral Insights and Sciences for Health. Let me give you a little bit of a background on who this lady is, for those that don't know who that is. We've mentioned her here before. She is a member of the Communist Party of Britain, just to give you an idea, right? That's her first thing. The second thing, she was on She was on the BBC giving an interview and she was asked, uh, Professor, she was one of the advisors for, for SAGE, you know, the, the advisory people that were for the government and all that stuff. Professor, how much longer are we going to have to do these restrictions? This goes with what Fauci was just saying. She said this over a year ago. Listen to this. Listen to this very carefully, what she says. She was just appointed the chairwoman of the World Health Organization's Technical Advisory Group for Behavioral Insights and Sciences for Health. This is the kind of answer she gives. Listen. Professor Mickey, if I can start with you first, do you think that this is is going to be right? We've had so much hope on the vaccines, hopefully changing everything, bringing an end to the pandemic, bringing an end to these changes we've had in our lives. Do you think it won't be enough?
1: Vaccines are a really important part of the pandemic, control, but it's only one part. Test, trace and isolate system. Border controls are really essential. And the third thing is people's behaviour. That is the behaviour of social distancing, of when you're indoors, making sure there's good ventilation or if there's not wearing face masks and hand and surface hygiene. We'll need to keep these going in the long term. And that will be good not only for
0: COVID, but also to reduce other. So, at the time long when term, the NHS is. Sorry going... to interrupt, Professor Mickey. Jen, when you say long term, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. How long? Very quickly. Um, I think forever, to
1: some extent. Because <laughs> Why did you say that? Oh, God, forever. Ever.
0: I think forever. You hear this? This is who's now sitting at the World Health Organization. You see, the more absurd you get, the higher up a position you get. I guarantee her taking that position is what landed her that job at the World Health Organization. When as soon as she said that, every single one of her credentials and government jobs and advisories and everything should have been pulled immediately. And she should have been brought in and put under investigation for even suggesting something so insane. But no, no, the inmates are running the asylum. I think it was very telling there when she was talking about, uh, she
1: said, uh, pandemic control. Yeah, uh, th- that that is accurate. It is about control. Uh, and they used the pandemic to gain a lot of control. Uh, the Western world, you didn't really fight back all that much, uh, barring a few countries that are still protesting. And I think if those countries were to crack down again, I hope I I I'd like to think there's enough people resisting that they would keep them from going insane again. But uh, based on what we're seeing, uh, people starting to mask up again already in the middle of summer, the social distancing, they're doing, doing it for outside,
0: the Bruce, they're doing yeah. it outside. They're wearing masks outside. They think it's airborne. <laughs> I, you can't. You can't reach them at this point. I, I, as difficult as that is for me to accept, I mean, my God, we're three years. We're going
1: three years into this. Yeah, it, and, and it seems like it's it seems like it's extremes now. It's either someone is for it or against it. There's not really anybody in between as much anymore. Uh, and th- honestly, this fits their dialectic that they need, but at the same time. It's just naturally like if you're going to continue doubling down and it and evade the science and and lie about the science and people are seeing it blatantly now. the The only thing to do now is to resist it. I mean, you you have to. That's so they're going to get their dialectic, but. What else are you supposed to do?
0: I don't have an answer, my friend. I really don't have an answer. All right, we're going to go ahead and kick out of here. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. You know someone you're trying to wake up and get to think on their own? We'd appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.